Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm sitting here coming to you on this lovely April day from Lisbon, Portugal, and I'm really hopeful. I have to say I'm really starting to have hope that very soon we are all finally going to get the chance to see the friends and family and places we've been longing to see for what feels like forever now. I really hope this is it and we get the chance very soon. In the meantime, Today, I'm super excited to share my interview with Adela Alonso Alonso, who I met back in 2019 in a little town called Bonsko in Bulgaria, where we were both at co-working Bonsko for a few months in the summer. Adela is the kind of person that you don't forget when you meet her because her passion to live life to the fullest and inspire others to do the same is so strong. And when I heard that she had recently published a book, I really wanted to have her on the show and hear her story of transitioning from corporate life to creating a business that allows her to work 100% from the road. Not only are we going to hear today about her struggles navigating corporate life in Dubai, but we will also hear what she thought about visiting some of the world's most popular co-working spaces, including her favorite in Thailand. Stay tuned to find out where it is. We're also going to talk more about her book, which helps people turn their passions into businesses that work for them and don't consume them, a trap that so many people find themselves in. Without further ado, here is my interview with Adela. Welcome to episode 55 of the School of Travels podcast. Today, I'm here with a friend that I met back in 2019, Adela Alonso. Adela, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you, Becky. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out to me and telling me about <laughs> this project that you started in 2020 that I'm very excited to talk with you about today. But first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Let me try my best. Um, so my name is Adela Alonso Alonso. That's twice Alonso. Um, and I am originally from Cordoba in southern Spain, where I am right now. And I've lived in several countries. First, like a normal person who changes jobs in different companies and they happen to be in different countries. And then since uh, three years now, as, as a nomad, just like you, I worked initially in fashion and then in branding and business consulting. Yeah, I I, um, I know that you studied fashion design in college. Yeah, yeah like, did. Did, so, okay, so how long did you work, or did you work in that industry? Oh, yeah. I worked in that industry, and I, I kind of still do work in this industry somehow, but exclusively in that industry, well into I started my, my digital nomad um, endeavor, or adventure how you want to call it because the when i started traveling i was actually working for a startup a fashion tech startup that was developing uh visual recognition software for fashion so i worked for exclusively for fashion like 12 years maybe wow and what made you want to get on the road after studying having this background so on the road I think this happened all the time. Like it was always, I always wanted to be on the road. Um, I don't think I could fathom that what we do, it, it was possible, right? But I, um, I lived in Italy when I was in my early 20s. And I, uh, one of my first jobs was actually already outside of Spain. I was working for a jewelry company in Florence as a visual merchandiser. And then when, when I was working back in Spain, uh, we would do this 
buying trips to to China that were super stressful, but honestly, they were some of my favorite parts of the of the job. And um, I remember when the first there was one time in I think 2010 or 2011 that I I had to go to our China office for a month, and my father was convinced that I was going to find a way to stay there. That I would just find a way to get another job or to convince my my company to let me stay there because I always had this bug. I've always loved to be challenged and to, um, you know, like meet foreign people. I had a very diverse group of friends, even when I was living in Spain. Like, I, I didn't realize how unusual this is until I actually had like a standard nomad group friends and my my circle hasn't changed that much because when I was living in Spain and I was working for a Spanish company right I remember I threw a big party for my 30th birthday and I think we counted 16 nationalities and this is not your usual thing for a Spanish person to have so many international friends like not at all so that was always there yeah huh? how do you think how do you think was this from when you were a very young person did yes. you always have this travel bug and these people from of different nationalities around you yeah so uh, i think i was always curious and i i think i realized that i learned the most when you meet people who are different from you and i was always a little bit bored with the people around me when I was little, just because everyone was very similar. Like, I remember I was, it it was almost traumatizing how everyone had the same outfit, pretty much, you know? Like, people are super stylish where I come from, but everybody looks pretty similar. So when traveling, it's when I realized, you know, people come in different colors, uh, and I mean in personality-wise, right? And I was also super lucky because uh, my parents really wanted to make sure that we had as many chances as possible uh, growing up. So they did put us in whichever schools had the best English teaching, for example, which back in my day meant a private religious school, even though my father's not religious whatsoever. And now I have a younger brother from my dad's second marriage, and he's going to a British school. And when when I was 14, I got sent to summer camp in Canada. So like farthest uh-huh. away they could send me to learn English, they sent me. So I, I was exposed to this in- internationality, and I was very attracted to it from early on. Yeah, I it's fascinating when I interview people and, and find out what made them have this curiosity for the outside world. Because for me, it was coming from books and movies in my Ohio home. But I was living in a really, like you were saying, a similar society. But I was doing it just, you know, through mm-hmm. the through the physical books or the, or the movies. But I didn't have a chance to really go very far until I was in college. But it's interesting to hear the different ways, like you're saying, going to a summer camp, that would have, that would have opened your world, I think. I think so. Um, so th- I think it's also, my parents were quite young. I mean, quite young for, you know, us, not their generation, but they, they were 26 when I was, when I was born. And my dad was not even done with med school. I think like with this specialty, you know, how they need to go to school for like 35 years. And, <laughs> and, and I think, yes, they still were young and wanted to do things. So since, I, since we were little, we were going also to, to summer camps. I think I was five the first time they sent me away 15 days to somewhere in Madrid and all the kids were older than me. And I don't know, I just, I used to enjoy that a lot. And I also, I don't know, but the place where I come from, I I was super nerdy. So I would love to read about history and culture and art and science and everything. And the history for where we come from, it's really rich. Like 
this place was a Roman uh, placement, and then it was a Jewish, and then it was also a part of Islam, and then it was Christian. So there's like all of these cultures, and I genuinely think this is what makes it amazing and beautiful. So I I don't know, maybe I was looking for that too. I can understand the openness you must have had and how that was cultivated when you were young. And no wonder you were going to all of these places like to China and Italy when you were in college. And so how did that kind of dovetail into becoming a nomad after oh, several years? This is years? the funny thing. The nomad thing was pretty much by chance. So I was living in Dubai because, you know, after China, I, I was getting bored of staying in the same position and in the same place um, because I had been working for the same company for five years in different positions. Um, I did, I did got promoted very fast, but still it was not very challenging because it, it came a point that I was everybody's go-to person. And I thought I was too young to, to already know everything. Right. So I, I wanted to, to go abroad again, but I was actually looking into jobs in Europe, but I got recruited through a British uh, headhunter for a job in Dubai. And I moved there, not really having a clear idea of what I was supposed to do because they were very confusing on the interviews. Um, but, you know, I moved there and I worked for this company for two and a half years. And that was uh, extremely challenging an environment for the culture in the company. And then the culture in Dubai doesn't really match my values, I think. Some people really love it, but for me... It was, I don't know. I, I felt like I was selling my soul or something like this. What is it and like working in Dubai? I've, I've actually thought about it before because I've heard, oh, you don't have to pay taxes if, if you are working there. And it's, there's so many expats. But how would you characterize life there? I would say it's like adult Disneyland. Not adult in the sense of, you know, blue. Adult in the sense is like for grown-ups. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Um, it's like Disneyland for grown-ups. So it's all made for enjoyment of the people who can afford to enjoy it. But there is, uh, under that layer of shiny, beautiful, fun things, there's a lot of ugly things which maybe some people, I'm not saying that they don't care, but maybe they don't see it, but I could see it every day and it will make me miserable. I know that there are a lot of immigrants, for example, working there, building this whole Disneyland right in front of everyone else working, going about their daily lives. It really, I, I'm struck by it seeming that it's really divided between the rich and the poor there. It is, yes, you have that, but I don't know. It's, it's very hierarchical inside the companies as well. And I am not a hierarchical minded person. So I do, it doesn't come naturally to me to have this gesture attitude with my boss not that i'm going to be disrespectful but i think my job is to make the company better and i need to bring issues to you to do that right and then i do not feel comfortable when people address me with that yes ma'am attitude either you know what i mean so oh, yes. in in portugal in spain um i think to to an extent in the us as well you go to the bar or to coffee shop and you ask for a coffee and you are interacting with the, with the person in the coffee shop as two human beings, right? There's not right. a difference. In, in Dubai, you go to order a coffee and there's not that. It's a, there's a clear hierarchy which is visible on everything the actual language, the body language, the, I don't know. I, that made me feel super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. 
I can then understand that. Just things like I had to fight for my company not to keep my passport when they signed the con when I signed the contract. Wow. This is common practice and it is absolutely illegal, but it's common practice and people allow it just not to speak up. And I wouldn't, I thought it was super weird and it's just, a, it's, it's a way of controlling people. Um, so I, I don't know for some people, this is a dreamland. Um, it's sunny. There's a lot of fun stuff to do. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it has a lot of things to offer and a lot of people who are there, they're trying to make things better and they're trying to infer change. And that's amazing. But I couldn't, I couldn't. Well, you lasted two and a half years, you said. I mean, that's a long time. I did, but it, 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 almost, killed, it almost killed me. And I'm being quite literal here because I, 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 am, I think I'm quite resilient and um, stubborn on a way. So I wanted to make things work in, in, at my work as well. But it, it, again, because it was very hierarchical and people were more th worried about getting their bonus at the end of the year than actually doing good work, um, I was fighting all the time. And I am not used to things not working out if you put in the work. This had never happened to me before. So I remember I would get super frustrated and say okay, I'm over it. And then I will go on the weekend and I'll go back on Monday and say, you know what? No, I'm going to try to change this. I'm going to try to do it. And this started to erode me. Like I started to get sick. I had never had a UTI in my life, although I know it's like super common for a lot of women, but this had never happened to me before. And then the first one, I got one because... I didn't know what this was. I got so sick, I ended up in the hospital for a kidney infection. And then I ended up having very bad infections like every two months. And then I started having panic attacks. And the minute I started having panic attacks, I actually went, I talked to my boss and I talked to my boss's boss. And I told them, look, this is happening. Either something has to change or I need to go. And they, they were like, yes, take it easy. Uh, don't worry so much, you know, like don't stress so much, don't overwork yourself so much. But what happened when I started not doing that, you know, when I started not giving 120%, things wouldn't get done. And when things weren't done, I still got shouted at. Literally, people get shouted at. So it became a point where I was having panic attacks on a weekly basis. And that I wasn't able to enjoy anything. And I wasn't, I was scared of everything. So I had to quit because, you know, I ended up in like a pretty serious clinical depression. And I had to start going to, I also started going to, well, to therapy and to see a psychiatrist because after a very, very bad panic attack where I got, I was completely paralyzed. and. I, I called in sick and I slept for three hours. And after three hours sleeping, I still couldn't stand on my own two feet. I went to the emergency room and the doctor, the lady doctor in the emergency room basically just told me, well, life is hard. Pray to your God. So I thought, great. So fantastic. And then I just decided that I had to start going to a, different kind of doctor because obviously that was not going to help and yeah so I quit but they I had a three months uh, notice period and they everybody knew where I was quitting and they still made me to the three months and didn't offer any sort of support or help which I think it's indicative of the kind of culture that you have 
And then I quit and I was planning on taking some time off. But then out of nowhere, I got this, this uh, fashion tech company and they were very interested in hiring me. And I, at first I was like, I don't know why do you need me? Because I was still thinking on this corporate way that I am a buyer. Why would you need a buyer to develop software, right? Instead of thinking, these are the skills that I have. How can I put them to best use? And I said, okay, you know what? I have nothing else to do, so let's do it. And I started working for them. And the whole team was working on remote. Um, so the AI architect was in, they were in China and Singapore. And there were other people working from, I think, Hungary. And, and so when the summer came, which it's horrible in Dubai, it's really, really hot and nothing's happening and people is angry because it's very hot and nothing's happening. I thought, why would I stay? So I went and I spent one month in uh, Georgia, in oh. Batumi, next to the Black Sea. And what then a I beautiful spent, country. It really is. And then I spent another month in Cohab. And I think it was after meeting, you know, the Cohab community and learning what nomads do and how they are that I decided that, yeah, I just want to do this full time. And for those who aren't familiar, can you explain a little bit about Cohub, where it is? Yes. It's like there. Fair point. So um, Cohub is a co-working space in Koh Lanta, Thailand. And this is quite south. If someone has been to Thailand, you've probably been through Krabi or have heard of Phuket or Phi Island. So it's in that general vicinity. And it's a co-working space right there in the jungle. And the, the community, well, I, I, a co-working space, I don't know if someone who's listening don't know what it is, which I don't think it's the case if you're listening to Becky's podcast, but it's just a place. It's like summer camp for adults. So you work a little and you learn a little, and then everybody hangs out together after hours. It's really cool. And I just met all these people who just decided they wanted to live life their way and that they were doing amazing things with their career while living on a freaking paradise island. And I thought, that, that sounds amazing. I want to do that too. It's really incredible. I actually got the chance to go for about two weeks, the beginning of 2020. It was the last bit of travel I got to do before everything closed down. And I am so glad I got a chance to see it because you're right. It's just, it's this amazing community. It's the only place I've ever been where I could order food that would just <laughs> come awesome. to my, come right to my desk, like, because they have a kitchen on site with this beautiful Thai food and you can rent scooters and just go around this beautiful island. It's, it's incredible. It really is. And I had this feeling, doesn't this happen to you? Like I was adding hours to my day. Like the day was somehow longer. It wasn't longer, but just consider I, I was living in Dubai and before that I was living in Madrid. So having to go from uh, working in fashion, get ready, do your makeup, choose an outfit, take a metro or in Dubai was taking taxis or take a taxi, go to the office, go through all of this, you know, like kind of morning corporate rituals, da, 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 da. then you need to go back, then you need to cook and clean. And, and then you realize you do not have to do any of that. Like I could, I could do a good old eight to 10 hours of good focus work and still go out for dinner with my friends, um, make a sunset break at five. I don't know. Don't have to wake up early in the morning. Like I, it's you really win day. Like not days. You win hours in your day. Yeah, you, you know that you have more time in your day when sunset becomes an event and a built-in part of your day. <laughs> yes. 
And there is like this, you can get to the sunset, like right across the street from Cohub. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And they have those events. It's like, I think a lot of us, if we're worried about getting on the road and, and traveling around, um, what, where are our friends? What is our community going to be now? And they're just, you find your tribe out there. And Cohab has such a nice way to, for people to connect with like board game nights. And don't get me started on the karaoke every Friday <laughs> at the Funky Monkey. <laughs> You're listening monkey. to this. I recommend it. <laughs> yes, highly recommend it. I think it's also that, a lot of people are scared of traveling and it's true when you when you move to a new place especially if you're going on your own it's really hard to to or it's harder to make friends because you kind of need to insert yourself in a routine that is already existing right or you need to need to find a group of friends that sort of adopts you but um when you go to these sort of normal hotspots, everyone is on the same situation. They know what you're going through and they're going to make sure that you feel welcome. Yeah, you feel humbled by this whole experience and you feel that, you know, there is another way to live your life. And it sounds like that's what happened. I guess you, did you still have an apartment in Dubai when you went to visit Cohub? And then- Actually, that was like a like a whole other Thing because I was um, I started traveling in 2018 um, and I had left my apartment. I was living alone. Well, I was not really living alone. I was living with my bo- boyfriend back then, and I was keeping my apartment as a very expensive closet sort of situation. Um, <clears throat> but it was also not going great and. When I left, I also, so I, I, I'm confusing everybody. I left my apartment that was at that point, a very expensive closet. And then I moved in with my boyfriend, but it, it was not going great. So uh, that was also another reason to say, you know what? Let me get out of here. I don't want to be here during the summer. I'm not sure this is going great. Um, so we decided I, I was going to leave and we're going to break up and um, not break up while I'm sleeping in his house because, you know, that's not an ideal situation. Um, so when I came back and I moved all of the stuff that I had to, that I still had because I had sold all my furniture and I have given away most of my things to a friend's uh, house. So after Cohab, I passed by Dubai just to see, you know, like what feeling do I get? Do I want to come back here or not? And then after that, it was, I think after the experience of testing the waters of nomading, it was very clear to me that there was nothing left for me in Dubai. So I, of everything that I had left on a storage, I on storage, I think I gave away another good half of that. And then I took the rest, which was maybe two suitcases, back to my parents' house. And yeah, and then I just started to find a way to reinvent life, as it were. Still working for the fashion startup as your way to fund everything. And I know we could talk about so many stories of these amazing nomad travels. Um, For example, we met in 2019 in the ski town of Bonsko, Bulgaria, which we were there in the summer. And it's like now it's then a hiking and whitewater rafting and all this other stuff town. Um, And you were amazing me because you actually, I'd love to talk about this for a moment. You are (laughs) actually also a really talented illustrator and artist and you were there drawing an entire mural on the side of the co-working space. And I was like, this girl can just draw anything. <laughs> how did you get to Bonsko? I, I, I'd love for, to know more about how you had made your way there. I got to Bansko. Um, I have heard about Bansko from Kohavers and then Hap Hoyaners, which Hap Hoyan is another co-working space in Vietnam that I went to because a lot of people from Kohab go there. 
And I have heard about Vasco from a lot of people. And then uh, Mona, I don't know if you know Mona, a, a friend told me, hey, I went to Vasco, they have this volunteer th- uh, program. And she, because I did a mural in Hapoyan as well. And uh-huh. she knew I had done that. So she told me, hey, they have this program. I think you could go and do another mural and it could be super cool. And that's what I did. And when I went, I remember Matthias, the, the owner of the co-working bands co told me, yes, come and you can do something. I don't know if we will be on the walls, but we'll find something for you to do. And he wasn't very sold on the idea of the mural at the beginning, I remember. But then, um, as we were starting to think about it and come up with ideas of what to do in the wall, which is, it's a gigantic wall. It took me forever. <laughs> um, he got more and more excited. And yes, and then he, he got super pumped. He got the mayor to come and see it. It was very fun. We all knew where the mayor lived, for example, like it was that small of a town. <laughs> Yeah, but I, of course, I, I, I know that I know how to draw and I started my career as a designer and I will do ten, like tons of illustrations for fashion. But I, I don't know, that's, that's something that I know how to do, but I've never th- exploded, not exploded, exploited, exploited as a work thing, I mean. Well, this leads me to the reason that we connected this uh, past week about doing this interview, because uh, in 2020, um, and I want to talk about this first, uh, you know, we, I know that you had gone back to Hub Hoi An in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you talk a little bit about, before we go into this project that you started working on, um, where you found yourself when the pandemic started? So when the pandemic started... I was in Philippines. Uh, when I first came to know about the pandemic, I was in a place in Philippines that was filled with Chinese tourists. And I got scared in the sense like, okay, what is happening? So I started following the pandemic really, really closely. When I got, and then I got to Vietnam the 1st or the 2nd of February of 2020. And in Vietnam... Everyone was super aware of the virus already. Like they, in the hotels, everyone was having like a Purell like sanitizing stations and like they were cleaning more often than usual and they were informing you in the guest houses and about all these things, you know? And they, um, they had already released the hand-washing song that went viral if you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, you are missing something. So you should immediately after you finish this Google hand washing song Vietnam. All I could do is the tune for you, Adela. Na 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 na. Yes. So Corona. Corona. Yes, I, I heard it in Japan. It's fantastic. So basically, the health uh, ministry of Vietnam created a song which is actually like a version of another song that is really really famous like a very famous pop song they just rewrote the lyrics and it just tells you what is corona and how do you protect yourself against it and it went viral and there was like a tiktok challenge to do a dance where you're washing your hands so that was already happening and a month after that, where there was, they had already closed the border with China and everything. Like Vietnam has a physical border with China and they have a lot of tourism from China and Korea and they had already stopped any traffic coming from those countries, from the countries that were accepted. But in March, due to either European tourists or Vietnamese nationals coming from Europe, uh, there was a relatively small outbreak and they decide to close the country like full on close it nobody comes in and because of that uh 
after maybe three, four work, three, four weeks of lockdown, Vietnam was effectively COVID free and it continued to be COVID free. So I, I got s- stuck in Vietnam because I did have a flight out of the country to Spain at the end of April, which did not happen. Um, because nobody was flying into Spain, obviously, but it was a blessing in, in disguise, you know, because it, Vietnam came to be like, you know, in an apocalyptic movie when there's like this city under a dome where everything is okay. And outside there's like rage filled zombies killing everybody. Right. So yes. Vietnam was like this dome covered city where everything is okay. Wow, in a sense, you're very lucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the pandemic still happened. I was really worried about my parents and my family because Spain numbers were and continue to be very bad. Spain management of the pandemic has been horrible. Um, but, you know, I I was in a very privileged situation and my job did stop. I was working, I was doing um, affiliate marketing for a travel-related company and it was doing so well. But of course, travel stopped, travel-related work stopped out of no, like very drastically. And I had a, a couple other smaller accounts that also stopped. So from one month to another, I was left with, nothing to do and that's something that i cannot (laughs) i can i cannot do nothing i it's it's not possible i started working i mean i started helping Habhoyan to try and get more people to come and i actually started working with uh mo i don't know if you know mo from bansko German guy, but we started working together on a startup idea that we're building, but I don't, I, we're still in the early stages. And then I decided to start writing a book, which is something I have never thought of doing. And that's the project I know we've been yeah. teasing, and it's called The Passion Entrepreneur. Yes. Business so- Mindset and Branding fundamental, Fundamentals for Creative Souls. So I'd love to talk more about that now because that's, you actually sent me a chapter on the CEO mindset and I really loved all of your analogies. So what is this, what did this book, tell me about the journey with writing the book and what you were intending to do. So um, I had started um, and well, and like the fall of 2019, I had started to record I started a YouTube channel, um, actually got a lot of help from people in Cohab, um, from these girls, Christine and Clara that were in Cohab and they, they were producing content and they knew a lot about it. There was, I was very lucky. There were like three pretty, pretty awesome YouTubers in Cohab last fall. And they gave me a lot of, uh, advice and I started recording videos on both sustainable fashion that's a completely different subject and and branding and branding and business mindset like targeted to creative people because the thing is so I started fashion design right and I started my career as a designer but then I went into buying I went into much more strategical and numbers kind of positions and I find that I understand the creative process and the creative mind. And I understand also cold business strategy mind. And um, when I started working with uh, as a consultant with small brands or maybe entrepreneurs, I started realizing there's a lot of mindset blockages and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, roadblocks that these kind of entrepreneurs tend to put on their own way um, 
because they do see this business as a very personal thing. It's yeah. it's got an A side and it's got a B side. And and the point of this book is to try and help them get out of their own way. So allow themselves to be inspired by that passion um, and still be able to recognize where you as a person stops and the business begins so that the business can be successful and they can still enjoy their passion and not end up resenting it in a way, you know? Yeah, I have to say that being also a nomad for three years and, and seeing all the different jobs people were doing in the co-working spaces, you know, it's very easy to find this, quote, freedom and then end up working like U.S. hours when you're in Asia in the middle of the night or working that same nine to five, but just the difference is you're in the jungle and the food is being delivered to you in Cohub, you know? And I, I really loved in the chapter that you sent me, you said, like, you want your business to work for you and not the other way around. Mm. You don't want, you want it to free you. You want to have that mindset from the start. And I think this is really valuable for even all these new remote workers we might have after the pandemic. I, I'm sure that there will be more people trying to figure this out, how, how they can feel this freedom because they don't have to go into that physical office anymore. Yeah. And another thing that I find, and not only with entrepreneurs, also with in general with business, I I think more than half of the times that I have a, a discovery call with a person and they they want me to work on something, more than half the times we end up working on something different. Because I always ask, what is your ultimate goal with this? You know, like, is your ultimate goal to work less? Is your ultimate goal to earn more? Is your ultimate goal to, you know, like you really need to understand what's in the bottom of all of this that you're building. Because a lot of times we do not explore that enough and we end up building strategies that are counterproductive. If you are trying to be more free and you build a a lifestyle on which you are working nonstop, how is that making you more free? It's, it's not. You're chaining yourself to a different radiator. You know, it's, it's, it's just a different... In Spanish, we say it's the same dog with a different color. Right. It's, it's really easy, especially at the beginning, to just set it up all wrong and, you know, like you said, get carried away <clears throat> and not achieve what you, what you set out to achieve in the first place. So what tips do you have for people to be able to get, like, set things up the right way? Um, well, the first one is that understand, understand what are you trying to change and why, right? I think a desire comes always from a frustration. So you want to be more free or you want to be more in control or you want to be um, more fulfilled in your life, understand why is that and what that means for you. And then set a plan that takes that into consideration and, and makes that work for you. But I, I also think it's important to think beyond yourself. This is a problem that I see also a lot. And I think there is this narrative of quote unquote, follow your bliss and, you know, dream big and everything is going to fall into place. And this is figurative speech. This is not facts. Um, if you know what you want, you know, and you understand it and you work for it, then you're going to get what you want. But this doesn't mean that every, absolutely everything is possible. If you want to have more control over your life, this is absolutely possible. If you want to uh, build a career where you can use your skills and do something that you like, this is absolutely possible, but it might not be exactly the 
the shape and form of the first things that comes to mind when you think about this. You know, the general idea, it's absolutely possible, but you need to be flexible as well. And you need to understand that a business is not a hobby. A business cannot work for you only. A business needs to work for other people. And this is a very big mindset roadblock that passionate entrepreneurs have because you see things super clearly in your mind and you assume, and this is perfectly normal, this is how our brains work, you assume everybody's going to see it so clearly. And when this doesn't happen, because everyone is different, they get demotivated and then the imposter syndrome clicks in and most of them give up way too soon. Or they just resign themselves of just making it by barely. And it's, I, I think it's mostly a, a, a mindset thing. Yeah, I, I think that you also, you know, um, talk about knowing your superpowers. And mm. like, I think that's, it's, you know, I think that's where the passion entrepreneur is starting is like, they feel this superpower of passion for whatever they're trying to do with their business, but they don't realize maybe that that is their superpower. And they should give the work that they're not so passionate about to other people rather than trying to do it all themselves. Well, I see passion more like a, like a fuel than anything else. Um, I think superpowers are sometimes stuff that we don't even pay attention to. I, your superpower might be that you're fantastic at recognizing faces or your superpower might be that um, you are comfortable talking in, in public, for example. I The Know Your Superpowers um, chapter is about realizing all the things that you already have in your favor that are valuable skills and talents, right? And then understanding our emotional drivers as well. So understand what you want, what you like, what makes you happy, and then understand the things that you're not so good at and the things that make you uncomfortable or, you know, to build a business around those. So to build a business using as much of what you have as possible and avoiding the things that you don't know how to do. Because I also see this um, a lot that they focus on, oh, I don't know how to do this or I don't have a good enough camera or I don't have a microphone or I need to do this course and I need to do this other course. And my point is that you already have enough things under your belt to build a marketable product. And my point is that it should be more important to build something that works and is easy for you to provide, you know, than necessarily uh, making the, the exact picture that you have in your mind to, to, to happen. Um, which is something that a lot of people get stuck in, and it's a different, difficult mindset to to um, to work in because that's. I, I think I, I repeat this a lot ar- along the book. Like, passionate entrepreneurs are dreamers by nature, so you visualize a picture and you kind of want to get that. But sometimes that can be a picture that is not based on facts. Maybe this is just something that worked for somebody else. Or you know what happens a lot is there's this like social media narrative um, that people take as reality, right? Like brands that are born out of nowhere and they seem super successful in social media. And that might not be the reality. And a lot of people get obsessed with replicating that without really understanding why are you doing that? Right. Finding your why is so important. Do you have any strategies or tips for the best way we can find our why as a passion entrepreneur? Um, I, so I, I, wait, I don't know how to put this into words. I think they're motivation drivers. Um, this is on the book as well. So 
things that you you are directed towards or that you are mm, somewhat missing in your life or you would like to have. And there can be different ones and some of them are um, mutually exclusive or at least, you know, um, inversely proportional. So, for example, freedom and stability in many cases can be opposite, you know, like the decision, when you're faced with a decision, oftentimes one is going to give you more freedom and one is going to give you more stability, right? So if you buy a house and get a mortgage, this is going to give you more stability long-term, but it doesn't give you the freedom to move around as much as you want. Um, right. I think it's important to understand which ones are your motivational drivers and have a priority and understand that these are going to change over time. So what is your priority at the moment? What are you lacking the most or what are you wishing for the most? Like, do you want to be more stable? Do you want to be more free? Do you want to feel more fulfilled? Um, do you want to feel more connected? Do you want, I, in the book, I lay down, uh, what I think are the motivational drivers that are more important for fashion entrepreneurs, but this is not an exact science. It could be something completely different for you. And I think that's important to understand because that's what's going to allow you to make the right decisions that can lead you where you want to be. Even if you, you do not have to have a clear picture of what you want your future to be, but it's a good idea to understand what principles do you want to set? And this is the first thing. So the book is, it's got like two main parts, I would say. The first part is all about mindset, all about understanding the motivations that lead a person to want to start a business. And, um, and then dissecting that motivation and understanding Okay, so this is what you want. L now let's find out which is the know your superpowers, uh, know your superpowers chapter. Now let's find out this is what you want. Let's find out what you already have to maybe make this happen. And the example that I use is like imagine that what you want is that you're hungry and you want to eat. The smartest thing to do would be to open the fridge first and see what ingredients you have available to make something so you can eat because you're hungry. Um, what passion entrepreneurs often do is the equivalent of saying, I am hungry. What would be the thing that I would love to eat the most in the world right now? And then put themselves in a pickle because maybe you need to go to the store and maybe the store don't have it. And then, you know, and then you delay you delay reaching the satisfaction, which is what you want, which is actually eating because you're hungry. But that's, that's the whole point of the first part. And then the second part, I do get into the fundamentals of strategic branding, which is building a brand with a very strong strategic intent. So building a brand so it works for your goals and not building a brand because I like this color and I think butterflies are pretty, which is also something that a lot of passion entrepreneurs do. Start with the visualization of something without studying how that can have a positive impact on the business. Yeah, I think the branding would be so helpful for so many people <clears throat> when they read your book. Be sorry, <clears throat> when they read your book because that's i think what so many people could struggle with if they're you know if their superpower is something very different than branding or marketing i know for me that's true mm. so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to reading the final book <laughs> i think i think uh you might be able to at least have it i don't know if read it i'm sure you're a very fast reader but before this this um podcast goes live because I, I think it's going to be really, really, really soon. Um, one thing I do want to s people to know is I always say I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm more of a grounding speaker and I can be very depressing on the first, uh, 
touch point that you have with me because I'm more about bringing the dreamer out of their clouds and into the world. Um, because I also think there's a lot of narrative that tends to sell passion entrepreneurs this dream and not giving them the tools to actually do it because reinforcing on someone's desires is a much easier thing to sell than telling them you do, you do, you can do what you want, but it might require a different pathway than the one you initially imagine. So I, I think, I hope people when read this, they're going to be motivated and they're going to be much more empowered um, when, when building their business. But I wouldn't be surprised if some people after reading the book decide not to start the business. And that's also perfectly fine. That's also very valuable. It's like really use this book to get to the root of what you're what you're wanting to do in the future, you know, or where you might need to pivot to. Maybe it's pivoting to not make a business and and be an entrepreneur, but maybe you decide I want that stability right now and I need to find a job that's that's remote, but you know, that is working for someone else. Yeah. So it's it's about um I think it's about taking control of the direction your life is taken. Because I think when people decide, uh, in fact, the, the first chapter is called So You Want to Be Your Own Boss. Because I think when people make this mental switch of, oh, I want to start the business, what they actually mean is, I want to take control of my life. And yeah, that right. doesn't necessarily mean starting a business. You can take control of your life in a, you know, almost infinite number of ways. Um, but it, it is good to, to understand what that means. And I, I think strategic branding is an important thing because uh, when most people think branding, they think what I refer to as uh, visual identity. So, you know, the colors and the logo and, the, you know, web design, which is part of branding. But I, I think that is, to, that is to branding what um, choosing a carpet or the interior design is, is to building a house. It is important. It does affect uh, how you interact with your house. There might be people who buy a house because the interior design is beautiful, but you do need to make sure that the house is standing on solid ground first. That's a great analogy. I'm really looking forward to reading the final product. And also, I have to say, listeners, Adela has also included a lot of really entertaining illustrations that she drew herself. So that it's like, it's such an extra bonus that I really enjoyed. I did. I, and in that, some of them are very silly, uh, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, I think this is just, I think I, I write how I talk. I don't consider myself an author and I don't, I don't know that I ever will. Um, I actually, I feel embarrassed, but I, I never thought I would write a book because I'm not much of a reader. I'm more of a, um, I think they call it kinetic learner. Right. It sounds like, like it, it sounds like you had your own roadblocks in your mind, but you got, no, no, I, I, I think I actually think I did a very good job. I, I, it's not that, but I, I, Oh, I, I just mean when you said like, you never thought you would write a book because you were telling I yourself couldn't. you weren't a reader. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. That's, it might be a, a roadblock in the sense that you do not consider that, but I don't really read because of that. I, I think I learned the most by asking questions to people who know more about stuff than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and different people learn in different ways. So I learn much better by watching a video or talking to people than I do by reading because I get distracted. So I always thought like, how am I going <laughs> to write if I don't read? Does this make any sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But I'm, I'm really happy that you push past that. And in 2020, you use this time to get this message out to everyone. I, I, I am terrified. 
which is also part of doing something new, right? And yeah, it's perfectly fine. Um, I am terrified. But I... But you're brave and you're doing this anyway. And I think that is a great message for all of us. Yeah. I, we need to be open. And I think it's also important to... I think we tend to see every decision that we make as final. And yeah. it, it, it really doesn't have to be. There's also something that I say a lot. is like nothing is final except for death. And taxes. Well, <laughs> that's certain anyway. <laughs> it, it is quite intense, but... Um, but yeah, I, I do think that I maybe something that I, it's also important to, to let people know. Um, the book is based on, well, there's a lot of mindset, but there's also a lot of uh, um, behavioral psychology and neurology concepts. I think they're explained quite easily. I am fascinated by human behavior. I study it a lot. And that's what I base my strategies on. Um, so I'm, if, if you're a little bit on the fence because you think this book is going to be like very artsy, you know, creative kind of thing, it's also, there's a lot of science in there. I'm obviously not that scientist, but I, I am obsessed with behavioral science. And I do explain Concepts that are going to help you understand both the way that you think and the way that the consumers think. Um, but I did, there was one, uh, when one portion of the book where I explain, mm, like very briefly how, how the emotional brain works, the limbic system and like the triune brain, uh, theory. And I wasn't sure if it was understood as a small, you know, snippet. And I had my 12-year-old brother read it to see if he could understand it. And he could. So I, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be possible to read and understand even if you don't have absolutely any idea about business management or branding or consumer behavior or anything. Yeah, I think that there is a message in there for everyone to get back and think about like what is my real motivation going forward and figuring out those drivers. Mm -hmm. So, when can we expect this book, Adela? Mm -hmm. uh, before the end of March, for sure. Okay, this podcast will definitely come out after that. So, listeners, if you're listening now, you can go and we're going to put a link to Adela's book on the schooloftravels.com and you will be able to get it. Yes, it's going to be in both ebook and and paperback format. Uh the paperback is in color. I if you read it and you have questions or something that you want to say, like my contact details are in there. I would love to know what people think and if this is helpful, if there are things. I consider this a work in, pro in progress. So I love it. Yeah, I, I am more than set up to the idea that I'll, I'll probably do a second edition soon enough to make it better. And so, yes, if you read it and... You want to talk about it? You have an idea? Uh, please get in touch, and I would love to hear about it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Adela, for sharing all of your travel story, your journey, all the way up to writing this book in 2020. I'm really excited to read the rest of it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm terrified, but it's a good <laughs> terrified. I think that's a great lesson that you're terrified, but you're going forward, and that's something yeah. we can all learn yeah. from. You need to be okay with being scared. That's part of that's part of life. Yeah, that's part of life. Mm -hmm. And I hope I get to see you soon Me in too. person. I really hope so. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Adela, for sharing your amazing story with us. And congratulations again on publishing your first book, The Passion Entrepreneur. 
I'm going to put the links to Adela's book and website on theschooloftravels.com, along with links to the co-working spaces we mentioned. As we discussed during the podcast, Adela has also illustrated all of her book herself, which really helps readers remember the tips she gives for business success. I think it's a really nice touch that makes her book stand out from other books in the same category. Check her book out on Amazon in Kindle or paperback. As I said at the top of the podcast, listeners, I really hope we can all get back on the road very soon. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this